This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. You are listening to our new premium episode of Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan called Sitting Down with Dr. Dan. I'm here with our audio engineer and dad, Phil Rossi, and we are happy to welcome you all to this latest episode where we are going to answer your questions. We read them all. These episodes air exclusively for premium subscribers every month on Stitcher Premium. Bill, what's up? Hey, how's it going? I'm I'm glad to uh, I'm glad to be back here today, having these great discussions. Had a great time last time. It's hard to believe that here we are again, yeah. rapidly marching towards spring. So on on the East Coast, we've been in a bit of a a freeze. So we're ready for the thaw. Ready for the thaw, and we on the West Coast, it ranges from uncharacteristically and uncomfortably warm for this time of year to then very cold. So uh, very unpredictable here in the North Northwest extremes. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Well, why don't we jump on into our questions because I'm sure people don't want to hear me talking about the weather. We've uh, of course received a lot of great questions again from our community. So thank you folks for sending in your questions. Please Continue to engage us. We love doing these episodes and we would not be doing them if we weren't getting such great questions. So question number one, uh, it's a question that I have a fair amount to say about. Uh, This is (laughs) submitted as a direct message on Instagram in response to our question poll. This is from, and I might butcher the pronunciation of this. This is from Eva Lund. What is the appropriate age to give your kid a cell phone? Has there been any actual research on this? That is a great question. That is something that we parents struggle with. And I can tell you, since there have been cell phones in my counseling office, it is a, um, a big topic of conversation. Yes. So here's the deal. From what I'm aware of and what I looked at... There is research about when kids generally get cell phones. There's not necessarily hard, fast research and results about what is the, quote, best time, unquote, to give a a child a cell phone. So here's what what the research shows. There there were two main summaries or uh, summary findings. One is once at age 12 to 13 was the average age that most kids get cell phones, which I was thinking when I read that. Wow, that's great. I wish that were true. Um, then the other one seemed more realistic uh, is that it's about age 10. Yeah. And I think about it in terms of in knowing how we grappled with this with our kids 
and so thankful that when our kids were coming up, every phone was not a smartphone like today. Yeah. So yeah. we had the flip phone option without the internet access initially. Um, I know for us, we fought really hard to wait till middle school in the area that we lived. Mm -hmm. And there were kids that were getting them in third grade. You know, that was yep. unusual. It seemed like as we got towards fifth grade, um, but really towards middle school, it seemed like a social necessity. Right. Um, the literature also says it's individual. You really have to look at your kid's maturity, yeah, your, your, your situation, right? Do you need to get a hold of your kids? You know, one or two working parents, um, you know, whether people are taking subways and public transportation, there's a safety issue involved as well. And how much impulse control does your child have? Right. Um, we know that for adults, uh, adults suffer from lack of impulse control on the scrolling of, of apps in use. <laughs> and so for kids to have to do it too, it's, it's hard. So I would say, gosh, it is, it's your, it's looking at what's going on in your community, what's going on with your friends group, because even though you don't want to do things for just social reasons, it can also be a social detriment. If your kid is the only kid out of all of their friends that don't have this access of communication. Yeah. So it's complicated. Yeah. What absolutely. about with yours? It's, How did you handle it with oh, yours? It's, it's so complicated because as you mentioned, it's not one, it's not simply the age. It's the, it's the emotional maturity of the child, which is, of course, vastly differs between children, even in the own household, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. To add, add a, an additional complication, you may have a scenario where, with my personal experience, a divorced family, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you may have a particular opinion on what an appropriate you know, age is for a cell phone. And then you're getting a text message from your six-year-old on their new cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. So it's, yes. again, it's complicated. And so when some of these factors are either out of your hands or you need to weigh, say, the, the detriment of, you know, if, if safety is going to be something that's important or even the social aspect of it, you you have to really focus not so much on just the, okay, well, they're this age and I guess I have to give them a cell phone. You can structure the boundaries of how the device is also managed yes. based on the age and the emotional maturity and there are parental controls, which are great. There are yeah. apps, which are great. So you can really, you can really tailor that device to where you feel like your child is emotionally as well. So they, they might have the device, but they have to, you know, they have to age into being able to use certain features of the device. And I know since our kids had phones a little bit younger and we held off, you know, in our household for as long as we felt was, mm -hmm. was appropriate. But then once they did have the phones, there was a lot more monitoring, Right. but it's been interesting to watch it now over this, the span of the last, you know, couple of years as both the girls are getting older and we are monitoring less. I mean, yeah, we are checking right. in consistently, but we have just created this sense of, well, you've, you've shown us that you are using the device responsibly. And so we're going to have less conversations about, you know, being safe on the internet and you'll have, you know, 
little more quote unquote freedom, but remember, we're still checking in. Yes, yes. It yeah. <laughs> so it's clear as mud, everyone. Um, it's like most things in parenting, it's not black or white and it takes attention um yeah. and, and and guidance. I you bring up a really good point, Phil, in terms of um divorced families and other and other whatever the family structure it does allow kids access to their parents and their loved ones and their grandparents and their like the people who are important to them um which is which is really important for kids to have that connection to have that security to have the people that they can call um so there's that element and there and there's pros and cons to technology there's just pros and yeah. cons um so i guess what we're saying is the research says age 10-ish to 12 and 13-ish. We both say hold out as long as you can given your situation. Yeah, absolutely. And then look at all the pros and cons and have these questions, have these dialogues with your kids. I like to say like, yes. here, yes. I get it. Here's the reasons we're thinking you, we think we could go with this direction and here's the reasons that we're hesitant. Here's what we're going to try to work with with you and we can always revise and change our our policies, our you yeah. know how we do things if we need to, which is again parenting. And it, exactly, and I think one that transparency is important, but I all, I feel like it won't be fully appreciated or heard unless you are also saying, but we are willing to adapt based on how this how your situation changes, and also how you show us how you are using this mm -hmm. device. Yes, but it's like you said. Boy, it's not as simple anymore as handing over a flip phone. No. Because this is a far more, this de this device opens a lot more avenues, which we could do a whole episode on on just this topic. We could. It used to, I and just had, have. yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. <laughs> we have. We've had a few. Um, <laughs> I remember getting my own phone number in middle school, which was huge. The freedom that came with my own phone number yeah. that I can call in and call out. Man, that was simple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and I will give one, here's one pro, a little, a very quick anecdote. My daughter was very tired at school one day and she got on the bus and she she would probably murder me for sharing this story, <laughs> but she fell asleep on the bus. Yeah. Yeah. And she didn't realize it until she was several stops away. I noticed that she didn't get off the bus, Yeah, but I was able to check on her on my phone and see exactly where she was. And she texted me right away. I said, Oh, I fell asleep on the bus. Yeah. And I said, well, I know exactly where you are and I'll come get you. <laughs> so there's, there's a, there's certainly One of the pros. Yeah. That's the benefit, a benefit for sure. Side. Okay, next question. This is submitted by Bgal and also sent uh, via an Instagram story reply. This is this is another this is another good topic. I'm, yeah. I love I love this week's questions, and I'm struggling not to chuckle through this one. <laughs> How do I declutter my kids' stuff as they grow up? <laughs> I'm emotionally attached to every single drawing, stuffed animal, blanket, and even ratty T-shirts. Oh man. 
This is tough. Um, My wife and I, we have boxes in the garage of the kids' stuff. And we like, you know, we have these same conversations. Like, what do we hold on to? What do we get rid of? My parents gave me my box from like two years ago. They were cleaning out their garage. And finally, you know, here I am at, at the time. I was probably about like 48 or 49. And they're like, okay, we figure it's time you either take this stuff or we're going to do something with it. So again, it took them in their late seventies to finally get less yeah. attached to it. So, yeah. so, so we get you, we get you Bigal. Um, <laughs> I would say little by little, little by little, I think the first thing is you try to contain it. Like if you're finding it's too cluttery, how can you move towards containment, like containers yes. um, to hold the stuff as you are able to maybe whittle some things down, maybe mm-hmm. not, but that you at least contain it and put it away where you know it's there, but so it doesn't overwhelm your space. Because there is a fine line from being surrounded. And I'm more of a stuff person than my wife. I like having stuff and memories around Same me, yeah. right? Um, maybe it's a guy thing. Um, <laughs> and I... There, there's a line though, a fine line when it becomes overwhelming. And they, people say like, you know, cluttered room, cluttered mind, right? And I, I get that in your, in yeah. your question here. You like, you want to, you want to declutter. So here's the thing. If you are, this is kind of like what they recommend with clothes. If it's like, if it's not like a hell yeah, people are like, then get rid of it. You know, you're like, yeah. oh gosh, but I wear that once a year to maybe right. a celebration that involves that item. So maybe with the stuff, you ask yourself, what is really important to you and what is kind of important to you? If you can do it, I would keep all the really important to you and the kind ofs either go away right away or maybe sit in a plastic bag somewhere because now I'm having the flash of how we had to do this with our kids with their lovable stuffies which would take up like the whole bed in the whole room so much space right and we'd say like (laughs) let's put that in let's put this in a bag take let's pick the 10 that you love let's put the others in a bag we'll put in the garage and you can have you you, we can get it anytime you want it well guess what 99 percent of the time a year later it went to donation yeah and you could do something similar with yourself if you could. It's like triage. It's all about triage, but minimally, right? But minimally, try to clean up the space and keep the things that are important, but just so you can have more space. Get that in the storage or the garage. What yeah. do you think? No, that's um, much the same in terms of that triage. Get it out of the space after after you go through that initial. Yes, these are things that mm, I definitely absolutely want to keep. Those go somewhere else. And the ones where you have that moment's hesitation set aside and then come back to it. And that's how we've ended up donating quite a few stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. Another way I like to think about it as well is try to do a little, you know, in your mind, just a little role play. You are your son or daughter. 20 years from now and you say, Oh, look what we hung on to. Are they going to be like, Oh my gosh, I love that. I'm so glad you hung on to it. Or will they be less, less than, less than excited because now they're getting clutter back into their adult spaces. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and I think the B gals, I, I think what B gals talking about is regardless of what, 
her kids think she can't mm. get rid of them. Yeah. It might be that yeah. her kids are like, why are you keeping this yeah. terrible art project? Oh, abso- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But maybe just to clarify for me, at least that's been a means to, to be able to uh, let go of some of this stuff. Imagining if they care yeah. when, you know, 20, 30 years from now, they could take it or leave it. Yeah. And in terms of the, in terms of artwork, mm-hmm. one thing that Beagle might consider is keep some of the artwork, of course. Yes. But as we all know, kids are prolific with their artwork, but you don't have to keep everything. Take some digital photos, right? And then you can have these, the digitized yes. artwork and it can be anywhere you need it to be other than taking up, taking up space. So that, yes. that would be another thing. Yes, thing that I, I recommend. And I just realized what I the way I've managed this um, as my wife over the years has been like, yep, yeah, these pictures, we're done with these family pictures. We're done with these kid pictures. Um, yeah, we're done with this artwork. Uh, let's the, get it in the garage. What I've done is I have the meaningful ones to me all over our garage walls. And I just oh, realized I like, so I'm that. all, and, and even it, we, we have that. an aspect of our garage where there is a little ceiling as well. So of course yeah. I maximize that space as well. So I, so, so to me, cause I like being in the garage with the tools and stuff. It's like, that's where all I, that's where I can see as much stuff as I wanted to hold on to. Yeah. Um, yeah. which is another way of getting it out of the house. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's ways to make this process less, less painful, but we feel the pain. Oh, and we, we feel the pain. Yes. We feel the so pain. many memories in those little stuffies and those, those, those blankets in the art project. It's, there's so yeah. many memories in there. Because yeah, it's not, it's not always, it's not about the thing. Yeah. It's about the memories that are, that are attached. So yeah, it's, I don't think it's, it's never not painful, at least right. for me to get rid of things, but it, through these tricks, it has become more manageable. <laughs> I noticed the wall behind you looks nice and clean. You know, because we have artwork to put up there. Yeah. And we just have, and I bet I've got some kid artwork coming up here. Yeah, nice. (laughs) Nice. All right. That's a great question. Great Mm -hmm. question. Okay. Question number three. Uh, This question arrived via private email uh, just a few minutes uh, before today's recording, according to Laura. Dr. Dan, I am so scared and worried and confused, plus so darn mad, frustrated that I don't know what to do. Masks are coming off for all our kids, even my younger unvaxxed child. It seems like the pandemic is over, at least in the news, but I'm not ready for all these terrifying changes. How am I supposed to get back to normal when I can't get out of bed because my anxiety is so bad? Mm. Um. Yes, I uh, empathize. Mm-hmm. There are so there's so much confusion going on. So many mixed messages. Um, so many changes. I mean, depending where you live or what county you might cross over into, there's completely different rules. Different districts have different rules for schools. And it's just hard to know what to do. And after two years into this thing, um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of upside down. You know, like there's the mentality of, okay, we're getting back to normal. And, uh, you know, things haven't been normal for a long time. And 
there is a lot of fear out there for people who are more um, vulnerable and fear about contracting the virus and what's going to happen if we get the virus. So, so here's what I'll say first is first just to validate. It can be scary and anxiety can be debilitating. We have a, you know, a pandemic of anxiety, which has come with the pandemic of COVID. Um, it is a, the common, a very common human response to what's been going on. And what I want to say first is how to get you some support so you can get out of bed to navigate these really difficult decisions. So we talk about with uncertainty, what's, what can we control and what can't we control? And you've pointed out a lot of the things that you cannot control. You cannot control the guidelines, the easing of the guidelines, um, the virus spread, um, the reaction of people who get the virus, um, people's teachers, people's friends. Like, we can't control that. All we control is what we do and what we engage in and what we choose not to engage in. So one recommendation is reach out to your medical practitioner for support. Everything is virtual these days. See if you can get support from your physician. Um, see if you can get support from um, a recommended counselor. The, a lot of these, a lot of the counselors are accessible online. Uh, we've talked about um, Talkspace.com. Is it yeah. one of one of those? We talk about that on the show. Um, please give yourself the gift of reaching out for help so you don't have to do this alone because there, there is a lot to navigate and having that guide can be very, very helpful. Also have to say when we are feeling debilitated from depression, from anxiety, that's the conversation with your practitioner. You know, is this, is there, is there medicine that can help at least initially because we can be frozen? It's, it's a conversation that, um, I recommend having. And then you have to do what you feel comfortable with. Um, if your child is there, the mask mandates are getting lifted, but your child is not vaccinated and you're concerned, your child can wear a mask if your child is willing to wear a mask, right? I think yeah. people still, the people I know, the people I work with, everyone still has their own comfort level with what they're doing, what they're not doing, where they're going, where they're not going. And you have to trust yourself. That being said, anxiety and fear starts to run our cognitive thought process and can take over. And we sometimes lose sight of what is excessive um, danger versus less, less danger. Yeah. But boy, it's, it's okay what you're feeling mm -hmm. it's one it's scary stuff two it just things are changing so rapidly people are making decisions for us it it's okay to feel overwhelmed I mean, we've all mm -hmm. had these moments and and the and then you add on to it the frustration it's just so many so many feelings all at yeah. once so many feelings all at once. So I really, 
know, really, really feel for you. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, Dr. Dan, of course, is, is spot on. You know, I don't have much to add by way of advice, but certainly I can empathize with, with how, how mm-hmm. you're feeling and how this can be so debilitating. Yeah. And the anger too, right? Uh, that other emotion, yeah. the, the anger, it's, there's so, um, yeah, it's, it's just so natural to be flooded by all of those emotions, sadness, frustration, anger, fear. Um, it's normal. And when we're, when we get heavy doses of all of them, it can keep us in bed. And so again, a natural response to a heavy dose of huge emotions and a lot of, um, a lot of uncertainty that you're dealing with. So, um, strongly encourage you to reach out for support. So you are not navigating this alone. That's huge. That's huge because these feelings just by the nature of these emotions are very isolating, Mm -hmm. but you're not alone. And, and, and yeah, seek out that support. And I know part of, Part of this for folks that are really struggling at, at this stage is it's this sense that when when is this when are we going to get out of this this rut with all of this because it just seems like it seems like it keeps going on mm-hmm. and on and on and just for me personally I've been really making an extra effort for those moments that are not involved with the pandemic or any other stress. And just embracing those moments, even if it's, you know, 10 minutes, right? Or mm-hmm. five minutes or two right. minutes or just a moment where I don't have to manage any of that. And, yeah. and hopefully as you find that support and, and start moving forward more that you can do that as well. Yes. We are sending our best to you. Absolutely. You're not alone. Okay, question number four, which looks like we are going to have some time for, so I'm going to just jump right into it. All right. The mother of my daughter's best friend is very manipulative, self-centered, selfish, and I don't like her. I joke with my husband that she might be a narcissist and that she needs professional help, LOL. I'm worried about my child being around this type of person and parent. I do not like this woman at all and wish our kids weren't even friends. What should I do? This is keeping me up at night. Ah, this is, this is rough. Um, and this happens. So, you know, there's a saying, we can't choose our friend, our kids, friends when we certainly can't choose our kids, friends, parents, Yeah, (laughs) especially when they're our kids, best friends. So this is really difficult to navigate. Um, I know those those personality descriptions that you gave, um, and you know you joke that she's a narcissist. Um, she might be, <laughs> you know, like those those are those are a lot of characteristics of narcissism. I'm not diagnosing here. I'm basically saying um, when you have manipulative characteristics and you have a lack of empathy, and you have sort of this toxic um, this toxic presence. It just makes you feel, you feel it when you're with a person like that. There's something, there's often something going on. So it is about trying to walk the line. Of course we have, and when I say walk the line of like, do we do something or do we monitor, 
you know, or do we keep right. something from happening? So of course we have to keep our kids safe. And when we think of safe, we think of first physical safety. And I think in this case, you're probably speaking to more emotional and psychological safety. Um, if you have, if your child's around a parent like this, I, what, what I recommend is having conversations and just kind of staying close about this. Like if you hear this, if you hear this person say something inappropriate in front of your uh, child, loop back. If ask your child how she feels around so-and-so's mom, because it's okay for like, we want the dialogue of, uh, you know, at first it might be, Oh, she's funny. You know, she says funny things. It could evolve to, you know what? I don't feel as comfortable or sometimes she's kind of weird. And sometimes, um, I don't feel good over there. You just want to have the dialogue. You don't want to shut it down because if you just shut it down, you know, first of all, it's your child's best friend. Um, second of all, your child will not keep sharing with you. If you're, if you're using what they're saying to just kind of step in, and I know the person asking this question is not like this. I can tell by the question. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> and so doing what we parents tend to do is suffer in the wee hours of the night is um, just know that you are a solid parent. You're raising your kid. Your job is to guide them and help interpret the world. And there are going to be other people like this your child is going to come across. What I would want to do is help your child see that those things are inappropriate, that those things can make people feel uncomfortable. And so your child knows over time that this isn't okay. And yeah. then depending on your child's age, because we don't know that, yeah. you know, you can obviously try to control a little more with let's have her over at our house or let's do a sleepover exactly. over here. Like when they're younger, you can do more yeah. of that. When they're older, you have less of that control. Um, what, what have you been in any situations like oh, this? Oh yeah. Well, it, yeah. I think you, I think that's perfect because when they're younger, you have more control over that aspect of mm -hmm. where they are spending their time with their best friend. But then when they're older, then you have the benefit of being able to engage in a dialogue with them ab about what the scenario is. And that's just as I feel is just as powerful a tool as having them having the sleepover at your house, because now this also becomes granted it is the immediate situation that you're in, but this is also a, a very valuable, like guiding and teaching experience as a person, because unfortunately there are a lot of narcissists out there, people with some of those personality traits that our kids are going to come across in life. And this could be an opportunity to, to prepare them to, to manage that. And it's not saying they can't spend time with their best friend, but really it's, it's kind of just being aware of what's going on around you. And, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, I mean, again, and I have encountered similar situations and have handled it both ways when they're younger that yeah. we've encouraged them to spend time at our house. And, and yeah. when they're older, just having those discussions and then also doing my best in the wee small hours of the night, having faith in my parenting that I've, that I've helped them, you know, with their toolkit so that they can be in this, be not be in a uncomfortable situation unnecessarily. Yes. And I, as I'm listening to you, I'm also reminded of some situations that we were in and 
what I would say is there were some times when we'd have to flat out tell our kids, hey, um, we just don't feel comfortable with you being at with X. And depending on their ki- our kid and their age and their level of awareness, they would get it. Um, even though they wouldn't like it, they might get it. Or they would say, why? And depending on our kid's age, we had to try to do a age-appropriate you know, yes. expectation. Well, we don't know the parents that well, or we just don't think that they parent um, have the same values that we do. Right. Um, and so sometimes you just, you have to step in, but it's about yeah. being transparent to the degree that you can with your child so they can make sense of the situation again, because you're trying to show them the difference of what is okay and healthy versus what's not okay and healthy. And we want to teach our kids boundaries, which is mm-hmm. if someone is violating boundaries, you want to set up your own, you want to set up your, your boundaries um, to be safe and not be in an uncomfortable situation. Yeah. And I, I think also if there's a way to make it clear to your child that is not over the top, right? Because this is the kind of comment that shuts kids down, but expressing that you are, you are looking out for them. You don't want them to be in an uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. can help. That can help too. Because they don't want to be in an uncomfortable situation. No. They do not. No. <laughs> and please try to get some sleep. Oh, gosh, those, uh, the worrying, I get it very, very well. And it does absolutely nothing helpful to our next day or anything. Not so try all. to just do your best to come up with a plan that you feel comfortable with and uh, let your mind rest to, the, to the, the, the best it will allow itself to do. Yeah. Well, all right, Phil. That's it. That's that's it, huh? Those that's, were great. Those were great, really great questions. Questions, hey guys. We really appreciate these questions. We know they're they're they all represent what you're facing, but what our community's facing too. So they they help they help everyone. So please continue, yeah. everyone, to send in your questions. We do read all of them. Um, a reminder to listen to our weekly show, Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. We drop those episodes every Thursday. You know where to follow us at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. Ask yourself that question. Wait, before I say that, stopping. We so appreciate your five-star reviews, telling people about our community and sharing these shows with everyone you think will benefit. I will leave you with the guiding question I ask myself every day. What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. If you are an advertiser interested in advertising on our show, go to midroll.com forward slash ads. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Listen, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.